This is Dialogue, a podcast series from American Mosaic. I'm John Van Dyke, and I want you to join me on my journey around the country having conversations with complete strangers that I meet along the way. It all started in early 2017. I woke up and realized that I did not recognize my country, and I felt a need to find out who we are today, who are the American people. I ask questions about life, about family, about values, about work, about community. They're simple questions, and sometimes the answers are complex. It's who we are today. It's the fabric of the country, the people, and the places. Right now, in our disrupted world, uh, because of the uh, coronavirus, we hear uh, much about uh, the healthcare workers, and they are certainly our uh, unsung heroes today. But there are many others that are working to keep uh, our lives uh, somewhat normal. The truck driver is uh, one of those. This is from my uh, road trip in the Midwest. Uh, It included Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, and Missouri. In some places, it seems there's as many trucks on the road as there are cars. And I've always wanted to have a conversation with the truck driver, the forgotten people. I had an opportunity uh, to jump in a cab with Brian in uh, a truck stop in Missouri. I learned an awful lot about the life of the truck driver and gained some insights uh, as to what that life might be like. I think you'll find this uh, interesting episode. And I'm going to put in a plug here. If you uh, like this podcast series, you like this episode, please subscribe. I would appreciate it, and thank you for listening. My name is Brian. I'm from a uh, little town, Rigby, Idaho. It's about uh, 30 miles north of Idaho Falls. Um, we're in uh, Moberly, Missouri, at a truck stop. You've been driving truck for how long? 30 years, over 30 years. Why'd you start driving truck? Well, back in the day, it was great. I mean, you could, you know, we could, you could make a good living. You could. I wasn't planning on being in my whole life. <laughs> I just got in when I got married. And, you know, then the kids came, and oh, it'll be all right. And pretty soon, you know, ten years goes by, and you think, well, shoot, I don't want to get out now. So, and the kids graduate from high school. Well, you got to send them to college. So, you know, you just. You just keep going pretty soon. There it is. You know, and it's, uh, it's been good to me. I've raised nine children. Sent seven of, them, seven of them to college. I don't know. It's been good to me and my wife. What do you think, uh, what do you think of what's going on today, the, the future for truck drivers? It's hard. It's very hard. The hardest part, I, I feel like, um, is... We have electronic logs now, which which is great. Don't get me wrong. It's new wave, new era. Everything's electronic in the world. I, I, I understand that. The problem is, is I see when you go to a shipper and you go and you check in and you sit there, say, for four hours waiting to load. Well, that's four hours off that electronic log. So now... You're, you're allowed 14 hours a day 
Well, now you're down to 10 hours in that 14 hours. So then you get loaded, and you drive your seven, eight, nine hours, whatever you want you get to drive that day. Then you got to find a place to park. Well, nobody wants you to park anywhere. You can't park at the receiver half the time. You know, this is private property, you know, da 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 well, You can't park here, you can't park there. Well, once your hours is up, some companies, the truck shuts down, so you got to find a place to park. And, you know, I, I understand that it's a, a lot of it's liability, probably, as far as, you know, you, you park in a place like Walmart or, you know, at the receivers or something like that, but where else do we go? There's million trucks out here where do they go when their time's up you know i mean each state's different and you know you can't you can't park on the off ramps anymore you can't you know and so you know to me that's what's getting harder and harder and harder and i don't know what's gonna happen i, I really don't it's uh I, my sense is that what you guys do is uh is not really appreciated today uh but it's like, uh, it's part of the uh, infrastructure of the economy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's, you know, I'll put it this way. Everybody out here loves to eat. Everybody out here loves driving cars. Everybody out here loves to go right across the road there to Walmart, buy clothes and food and whatever. But, I, you know, me personally, three-quarters of these people could care less about us. They could care less whether we get cut off driving down the freeway, whether they pull out in front of us. They could care less if we got a place to park. They could care less about any of them. But now let me ask you this. Once, once trucks stop, the fuel truck right there loves. He don't deliver fuel. What are you going to do? What's all these people going to do in cars? What they gonna do? Well, you know, it'll never happen. I can promise you that it will never happen because there's too many big companies and there's, you know, somebody's gonna haul freight. But it's just sad because I've always told my wife for 30 years, everybody in the car needs to get in this truck for three days and see what I see out these windows. And I guarantee you, my friend, that person will come out of this truck a totally different person. They will see, you know, people putting makeup on. People, you know, changing clothes. They'll see, uh, you're driving down road 70 mile an hour, you got 10 cars on your left side. Well, you can't get over for the people to come on, so they, you know, flip you off, and you're the SOB, and... You know, I was in California four years ago and had a lady run right underneath my trailer. She drove right underneath it because I wouldn't get over. State Patrolman looks there and says, Ma'am, did you not see him in this lane? And she looked right at State Patrolman. She said, He should have got over. And State Patrolman said, Ma'am, where does he get over? We're in California. So, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, it's kind of sad, really, because nowadays everybody's in a hurry to go nowhere. They're going to drive 100 miles an hour to beat you to that stoplight. 
They're going to pass you, and you're both going to come up to that stoplight the same, but they got in front of that big truck, didn't they? I mean, it's, you know, it's simple as that, you know. And, you know, it's funny because every one of my kids has been in every state, including Alaska. And it was funny because my youngest daughter, when she was about, oh, she's probably 12 or 13, she went with me for the whole summer. And we went, I mean, we went from Maine and had real seafood off the ocean to California. We went everywhere. When she went back to school, the teacher says, I want you to write an essay of what you saw, what you did this year. Well, she wrote like a 14-page deal. Well, the teacher calls my wife and says, I think your daughter's over-exaggerating a little. And my wife says, oh, no, that's just all what she could remember that she was with her dad. And the teacher was floored of the things that my 12-year-old, I think she's 12 or 13 at that time, was saying that she saw out the window of a truck. She was amazed. You know, we're going 70 miles an hour, boom, somebody cuts right in front What's dad going to do? Slam on the brakes and pray that we don't hit him. I mean, these, you know, they know you're not going to hit them. And if you do, then you rear-end them. Oh, it's truck driver's fault. You know, and, and it was just so funny because she just, you know, we had a blast, but she couldn't believe that the way it was in so many different states, you know, and, and the way people treated you in different states, you know, like you get down Georgia and Missouri and places like that, people are amazing, they're so nice, you know, you get to the East Coast and people hate you, you're a truck, you don't belong there, you know, you go to California, you don't belong there, but I do want your food, I do want your gas. I do want you to bring stuff to Walmart so we can go there and shop, but you don't belong in the state. You don't belong in this city. So, you know, it's, and that didn't used to be that way. It really didn't. It really, I mean, you know, people were glad to see you. People were glad that you brought stuff. And it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger and, you know, but you just deal with it. Question. So, how many miles do you think that you have driven since you started long hauling? <laughs> oh, heck, I don't know, probably three or four million. I run about 150,000 a year. So, you know, I'm going about 300 days a year. So what do you think about... A lot of stuff going on in the world today. How does that shake out for you? How does it shake out for your life? How does it shake out for your, your driving truck and stuff like that? I mean, are well, you concerned about the future? Or? I am. I'm, very, I'm, I'm really concerned about my grandkids' future. But you know what's really sad? It takes a natural disaster to make the American people come together and say, okay, now we need a truck driver's help. It takes a damn hurricane to wipe out places and say, okay, now bring that truckload full of water. Now bring that truckload full of whatever you can bring us. You know, and I think that's sad because those people didn't deserve that on the hurricane. But if we can come together because of a natural disaster, 
Why can't we come together without it? Why can't we just say, hey, we're one big nation. We need to quit the politics BS and say, okay, Joe Blow over here needs help. Then we better go help him. We don't have to rely on somebody else or something else. I watched my grandfather and my father when I was growing up. It didn't matter who needed help. It didn't matter how much money they had. It didn't matter if they could pay my grandpa. He'd go help them. Oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll get even somehow. Yes, we all need money. Don't get me wrong. We, and it all takes money to operate the United States. But you know, in the national disaster, the well-to-do people will be great. They'll be fine. How many people is there not well-to-do? Who in the Sam hell is going to help them? Are we going to help them? As America? Are we going to go there and say, okay, we're going to help every single person here? It's not going to happen, my friend. America... It won't happen. And that's sad. You know, every trucking company here can take loads and loads and loads and loads of water, food, whatever everybody needs. But when it's finally settled and the dust is done and there's still all these people over here that need help, who's going to help them? When FEMA goes home or when, you know, when it all stops, I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know, people aren't going to go back down there, and we're not going to haul more water, and we're not, you know, once they say, okay, we're good, then everybody's going to forget. But, you know, there's still animals down there. There's still people down there. There's still children down there. So what are we going to do? Just leave them there like we've done before and say, oh, they'll be okay. And then the trucking world will go on and go on. And I mean, don't get me wrong, God bless the companies that are hauling water and stuff down there. You know, my company's hauled, I think, eight loads of water. You know, 24 pounds, 44,000 pounds of uh, arrowhead water. They pay for it. I mean, they, you know, we picked it up, we bought it, they distributed it, they took clothes, and I mean, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. But when the dust settles, we're still going to be the coupons. And the American people that don't have a lot or that has lost everything, where are they going to go? Tell me about what do you think about, uh, you know, it's just all this technology stuff. And I've read some stuff about, you know, people got these great ideas about, uh, you know, autonomous driving. In other words, you know, pretty soon, the whole idea is like, well, let's have trucks on the road. We don't even need drivers. What do you think about that conversation? That's crazy. Okay. That's crazy. I mean, to me, it's crazy. You're going you're gonna to tell me a robot or a, or a computer box can handle 80,000 pounds and stop and do this and do that. Okay, well, you know what? It's no different than, to me, it's no different than this electronic log driver. It's still got to run by satellite. Somebody's got to be operating that, or, or the satellite's got to be sending a signal to it. 
Now, let me ask you a dumb question. If that satellite gets a glitch, where's this 80,000-pound truck going? I mean, are we going to wipe out 30,000 cars? Wipe out a bridge? I understand this is an electronic world. I'm an old man, trust me. I hate it. Because I never grew up with it. The kids now, I mean, it takes my granddaughter to program my phone, and she's 10 years old. I don't even know how to do it. I said, I don't know how to do this thing. Well, yeah, Grandpa, let me help you. Okay, great. She showed me how to do Gmail and all this. But when you start telling me you're going to put nobody in this truck and it's going to run down the road by itself, I'm going to run it high. I mean, you're going to tell me you can go over a mountain pass. Snowing like crazy. Who's going to chain it up? Okay. Is it going to automatically put chains on somehow? You're going to push a button from a remote control? When it gets stuck, is it going to call a record? No offense, but I'm just saying. Is it going to fuel itself? Or are we going to have somebody come out and fuel it? Is it going to run off electricity, natural gas? I mean, they have them now that run, you know, natural gas and stuff. But still takes a driver to hook up the nozzle to fill up on natural gas. So I just, I, you know, I think it's great. People want to say, oh, look what we can do. But let's let's use realism. You got 80,000 pounds, you're in L.A., L.A. traffic. You're in Seattle on 405. You're going to tell me nobody has to sit in this truck and drive up and down 405 and Seattle, Washington, Bellevue, or L.A. going into L.A. on Highway 5, Highway 10, or Interstate 10, whatever. There's no way. I mean, yeah, we got automatic, and my wife can drive this truck. Anybody can now. But you still got to stop. You still got to go. You still got to pull in the fuel island. You got to use a fuel card to say, hey, I got to fill it up, or... So I, I guess I'm not really sure when people say, oh, we're going we're gonna to make this happen. I guess I'm just not a smart guy because I got a lot of answers. I got a lot of questions. I need some answers. That's good. That's good. <laughs> hey, man, I really appreciate this. Sure. Okay. Glad you talked to me. Uh, it's weird, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You never know what you're gonna run into at a truck stop. Right? Yeah, I'm just weird, buddy. You know, some crazy guy talking. That's to right. Talk to me. Yeah, you know. That's it for this episode of Dialogue from an American Mosaic. <laughs>